Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Gregory Church, President of 4Medica, about how to prevent duplicate patient records. And now, on in the interview. I'm joined today by Gregory Church, President of 4Medica, and we're going to talk about how to prevent duplicate patient records. How are you doing, Gregory? Doing well, Jay. Thanks for asking. Um, well, thanks for being on the show, and I was wondering if we could start things off by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and Formedica. Sure. Um, I'm Greg Church. I've uh, been with the company for about 13 years. Um, I've always had some connection in the healthcare industry, whether it's on the service side of healthcare and uh, more recently, of course, on the technology side. Um, really, you know, the, the topic of patient matching and Patient safety is pretty much what we think about every day here at Formedica. We're not a new company. We're 24 years old. Um, we've always been involved on the, the kind of provider patient side with our technologies. And, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of great movement towards digital health and transformation of data. But we still, you know, obviously are concerned about the duplication problems that are out there today within all the different systems. So that's our focus. Um, we're really, you know, watching as, you know, legislation changes and more requirements, you know, to be interoperable are happening and uh, glad to be here today and share some of our insights and things that uh, we think are still important for the industry as a whole to focus on. Excellent. Well, speaking of the problem, um, of duplicate patient records, how big of a problem is it? I was wondering if you could give us a little kind of uh, overview. Yeah, no, that it really varies on you know when you're looking at the healthcare you know market as a whole. But you know one of the things that we do you know as part of our offering is to to look at data quality issues that occur um, in the different uh, data sets that make up hospitals and health systems, laboratories, even provider offices. And interesting enough, you know, today um, you can still see duplication issues that range, you know, um, not much lower than 10%, believe it or not. There are some organizations that do better than 10%. And we've seen, you know, in some cases as high as 30% duplication rate. Um, and then, and again, it really varies on the type of organization, but it, it's definitely a wide um wider issue than I think it should be. And if you think about even at a 20% duplication rate, you know, that's one in five patients that, you know, potentially are at risk of having mismatched information up against their identity. So we think that's problematic. Um, and that's really what we focus in on is how do we keep bringing that duplication rate down as we work with organizations? Uh, and then really focus on what does it take to maintain that? Because right now, as you know, Jay, you know, the industry is still working towards how do we come up with a way to solve the problem more around the standardization, maybe of a patient ID that's issued, you know, from the federal level or even down at the uh, the state level. But until that happens, you know, I think everyone's going at it the best they can with the different systems that are out there. And as we create more records and we move more records digitally, that's where we see the problem because it's just, it's not something that's today been solved, you know, with the way we're doing um, interoperability. So the problem is big. Um, it, unfortunately, it's bigger for some organizations than others. 
and you know we're we're focused on helping to you know to kind of bridge the gap there in between those organizations that deal with a bigger problem than others and you know you mentioned sort of you know obviously misidentification what are some of the uh of the problems that this you know kind of can lead to in terms of you know the impact on patients yeah i mean you know i know a lot of people you know talk about patient safety and patient safety really is kind of if you look at it you know kind of from different angles if you've got a record that is mismatched you can you know what they call an overlay you can actually um overlay two different records into a person's identity which means if you go in for medical care there's a high chance you know that you could have the wrong procedure mm -hmm. or the wrong you know surgery conducted on you if your information has been overlaid with another patient's record um you know and that puts our you know our frontline workers you know in a bad situation because if they're under a high pressure situation you know, somebody's coming into the emergency room, they open up whatever medical record systems being used and the the system has not identified the individual correctly with the wrong information. Um, you know, you're potentially now putting that patient at risk, um, prescribing the wrong medication. Um, you could be, you know, doing the wrong procedure, you know, on the wrong part of the body. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong. And we don't want to see that happen. I mean, I'm sure you personally and myself, if we know that there's a high risk of something going wrong and we're unconscious, if we arrive to a facility, we can't actually confirm, you know, the medications that we're on or a mm -hmm. procedure that needs to be um, conducted, you know, that that's the safety risk, you know, for the patient. So, you know, that's, that's the worst case scenario. And that's what I think we all have to focus on. It's not just about record duplication calling it duplicates, you know, in your electronic health record system. Ultimately, it's the patient that's at risk. And that's what we have to focus on is how to mitigate that risk and ensure that as close to 100% of the time, you, you get it right. Um, and so I guess let's talk about what can be done to sort of solve this problem. I know that your company obviously uh, uh, does some work towards this, but what, what do you, you know, what do we need to do to kind of, uh, get this to, uh, you know, get under control? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it from the top down, I mean, if we can get more standardization and get more accountability, um, you know, done at the, the point of registration, that, that definitely helps mitigate a lot of what goes on today. Um, as you know, there's, you know, hundreds of different electronic health record systems out there, both on the inpatient and ambulatory side of healthcare. And every system, you know, has a team of people that are responsible for collecting information, validating information, and then, of course, entering it into these systems. If that doesn't get done right, what goes in is what's the problem on the back end. So I think, you know, as ONC and other agencies are starting to look at how to standardize and make sure that we're collecting consistent information and the way it goes into the electronic health record, that's going to help reduce a lot of the issues. But I think ultimately what we have to do is make sure that everyone gets to a point where we're using a single patient identifier, which is something we're advocating, you know, that happens. Um, and we're really, you know, focused on seeing that happen, you know, in the next few years. Um, I think also, too, data integrity um, as a whole needs to be looked at. There are things you can do, you know, obviously master person index software helps. 
Um, but there are ways that as you're capturing information um, from an individual, whether it's at the provider office or in the hospital, always validating against proper identification. I mean, as simple as that may sound, just verifying, you know, this is your current information, correct? There are ways, even what we do, where we can take information that's collected, um, maybe from the patient directly on an intake form, and you can do what they call referential matching. You can run it out to very sophisticated data sets and validate that person's identity is the person who they say they are and make sure you've captured you know, the most recent phone number, the most recent mailing address, make sure you've got the right spelling of the first name, last name. So there are ways you can do that and actually provide those type of services at the front end and not wait until that patient's been registered, they're already right. into the system being treated, and at that point that becomes the issue, right? Then you're trying to you're trying to correct a problem that may not be as easy to correct at that point. So why isn't this being done already? Is it just sort of, you know, the system we have and think things have kind of you know, people have kind of uh gotten used to doing things the way they're doing it or what why you know why haven't we kind of addressed this already? Yeah, that's an interesting question because in if you look at other industries and I you know I look at the financial industry, I mean if we had a problem with our identity not being matched up to our banking account, we'd all have an issue with that, right? right? We would right. complain and so that was corrected. Here in healthcare it it seems to be that some health systems, whether you're a closed system and there are plenty of those out there. They do a better job because it's their patients. They're in some cases they're the insurance company mm-hmm. as well as the uh, the healthcare facility. So I think they're probably ahead of the curve. It's when you start getting into you know the the independent practices and the independent hospitals, and then you have you know health information exchanges that are aggregating data and moving data. Then you've got so many different moving parts. And the problem with that is sometimes you don't have control over the data that actually comes into your facility because you're part of you know data exchange. So right. it's not like you're in control of saying, hey, we need to go back and correct you know these you know uh, uh, individual identities because they're wrong. You now got to go back and find the source where that data came from. And think about a health information exchange. You know they're they're out there with many many facilities connected to them, providing them data. But they don't actually, a health information exchange doesn't actually control the registration process. So they have to be able to look inside their data and say, gosh, of all the records that I process and I aggregate and I'm, I've got a duplication rate, who are my problems that I need to go now back to the connected source and say, hey, we've got to fix these issues. So that's where it gets complex, right? It's because now data is moving at a faster digital rate than it ever has before. And I think that just opens up more opportunities, you know, for problems. Plus, you know, uh, you've got people manually entering data so that, you know, there's a a chance for a mistake, you know, is one slip of the, you know, your finger on the wrong key and you've, you've got, you've got the wrong info right there. So, um, and then I guess, you know, that's happening at a, super high rate just because of all, like you said, all the different data sources. So it's just, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, compounding the problem, I guess. Yeah. And you, you said something, we call it fat fingering at the point of, you know, <laughs> yeah. data entry, right? Right. It's fast fingering. And, 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 and gosh, you know, we're many humans. times myself, we're, we're going to make, yeah, we're going to make mistakes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's part of our nature. And unfortunately, 
you know, those can be costly mistakes. You know, a transposition, you know, of a first name or last name or just even a transposition of a date of birth um, by a single digit throws everything off. Um, but interesting that you bring up, you know, your your example of, you know, data entry and, you know, making, uh, you know, a mistake. Think about laboratories right now, just for a second. Not all laboratories bring in electronic orders. Believe it or not, industry-wide, it's about 50% of the uh, orders that come in are still on a paper requisition. Oh, wow. Meaning somebody's handwritten at the practice or facility, you know, to generate an order for the patient. That order gets routed with the specimen to the laboratory, and then somebody literally opens the specimen bag, and then they have to enter that order into the laboratory information system. So think about that. 50% today still comes in on paper. So the problem for a lab is compounded because they're dealing with so much data entry. And it's not just the demographics they have to enter. It's, you know, it's the test information. It's the medical information, the clinical information that go along with drug it. Drug names. So you get drug names, yeah. test names. You get yeah. one thing yeah. wrong. Yep. And now you could be ordering, you know, the wrong test or the wrong medication, right. you know, on a patient if, it, if it's pharmacy related. So, um, you know, and and we've seen with our laboratory customers that we deal with, um, we've seen, that's where I was referencing before, that we've seen duplication rates as high as 30%. And if you talk to a lab, you know, when you look at their data with them and you're in the process of cleaning up the duplicates, they know they're creating duplicates. They actually know they're actually probably one of the biggest offenders. And the reason for that is as they're bringing in high volumes, you know, specimens to get them into the machines that to sit there and try to figure out, you know, if J is really J and sometimes J may be in the LIS, the laboratory information system, two or three different times because you've been mismatched. Right. They're basically being instructed instead of trying to figure it out and actually pick the right record, they're asked to create yet another record. So, and, and we've had people on the operation side of labs tell us that's what they do just to keep everything moving along. They do get to it eventually, and they have to go back and reconcile. But, you know, that that's where it becomes, you know, the human problem becomes so cumbersome at that point because if you're dealing with a 30% duplication rate on 5 million identities that you have in your laboratory information system, you can't keep up, especially if you're creating hundreds of new duplicates, you know, per week, per day in some cases, depending on how big the facility is or the laboratory is. So you've got to look at it from a different perspective to say, correct, getting the data in, get more electronic orders in for the lab, mm. um, look at more about how you can scrub the data as it's being entered. So run it against referential matching. And that's a nice service that you can turn on pretty much real time where you can ping a database and say, Okay, I, I think this is the right information for Gregory Church. I've got good, you know, attributes that I can match on. I'm going to run it up against an external source and make sure that everything matches up. And when you do that and you get a good yes match, your high probability of getting that record into whether it's the, you know, HIS system or an EMR or laboratory information system, radiology system, whatever it may be, is as close to 100% if you do it right on the front end. But if you enter manually, process, you know, do it wrong, it could take days, weeks, months before 
somebody figures out, hey, we've got a problem with this record. And a lot of times it's revenue cycle management, right? Because they're the ones trying to bill and collect with the uh, insurance companies and they'll get what they call a denial. The denial comes in because just basic demographics don't match up on that, you know, patient member with the health insurance plan. So, but that's 30, that could be 30 days down the road where things finally catch up, but there's a problem with uh, the demographic file of that patient. And is that just a systemic problem where, you know, labs are just, you know, that's how they've always done it and that's how they're going to continue to do it until like some, somebody or some entity says this all has to be electronic, like, you know, or is it just, that's just what they're getting from, you know, healthcare organizations. I think it, there's just slower to adopt to the digital transformation. But again, because the providers or the facilities yeah. that are sending patients to them, the, again, they're taking the information that's being collected at the point of care. And if we can get more labs that can move to electronic orders and, and get more of that patient information validated as it's coming in through the electronic order up front, and there are ways you can do that. You know, again, master person index software, referential matching. Those are a couple suggestions. If you can do that up front, and believe it or not, Prometica calls it the perfect order. If you get the perfect order coming in and it's electronic, it's been validated, um, you, you, know, you can run it through eligibility as well to make sure that person is still active on their insurance plan. All that can be done up front then we call it the perfect payment on the back end because now when revenue cycle management takes over they have a higher confidence you know level that the data along with the clinical information matches which means that they can actually get a better first pass payment out of the insurance company so it's something we've kind of coined as the perfect order for perfect payment for labs by focusing on improving data quality of the order, demographics, insurance information up front. And I, I think it's just an education process, Jay. You just have to continue you know, to work with labs and understand that the value of their data is so important. Think about labs, it's 70% of what you know physicians decide on what they need to do with that patient for care and treatment. And it's what makes up most of the medical records so if they understand that they're more than just a diagnostic facility running tests, but the data has such relevant value to care and to what happens to that patient, I think they'll start to reprioritize why they have to do things much more modernized and get more electronic orders to come into their uh, to their laboratory. Are you seeing things starting to trend in the right direction, or is it still kind of are we still kind of at the you know, sort of bottom point and need to kind of work towards getting better? I think there's movement, you know, going in the right direction. Is the needle where it should be at this point? No. Um, but I think, again, as, you know, as more, um, you know, legislation is occurring around, you know, TEFCA and some of the interoperability requirements and, um, you know, exchanging data, you know, you've got price transparency now that you've got to be, able to provide estimates to patients you know on what their care costs are going to be all that requires more digital connections to do that and i think as that happens and we start driving more um digital transformation in healthcare i think things are going to move faster um but for so long you know think about it, it wasn't until meaningful use the ara act 
everything was still on paper. It was paper <laughs> charts in the you know the doctor's offices. It's you know think about 50% paper requisitions today for labs. Just less than 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was probably 7,500% yeah. of electric uh, uh, requisitions were on paper. So I think there's movement. Can it go faster? Yes, but I think we've got to we've got to take it from the top down approach. I think we've got to put a little bit more emphasis that we've got to move data um, electronically, yes, but we've got to do it with a lot more precision so we're not putting both the patient at risk um, and we're not putting organizations at financial risk. Um, I mean, it becomes a problem even to you know be sustainable today if you're getting a lot of claims that are rejected just because there's so many error rates right. you know occurring within the claim itself. So I think to answer your question, it's moving. But is it moving fast enough? No, but I think some of the new, um, you know, focus on some of the policy changes that are occurring are going to help us. What do you think, like five to ten years or longer? Oh, <laughs> like, I know. Uh, let Get me your look crystal ball future, out. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say we're going to see some significant improvement over the next five years. Okay. Well, that's hopeful. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's a good uh, good uh, way to close out. Um, thank you so much, uh, Gregory. This has been great, and uh, let's hope that uh, things keep improving. Yeah, and thanks for you know the invite and you know, staying on top of this. I mean, it's sources like you guys that really do you know bring to the industry the attention how important the matter is, and um, it's great to see that um, we are making progress. And uh, I hope to report back to you. Maybe during the next podcast, you know, some of the, you know, gains and improvement we've made in the next, you know, several months. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Jay. That wraps up episode 66 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.